I love seeing uh, different parts of the city. And uh, one day I was on a, uh, I was detailed to the ambulance. Uh, it, was, it was a particularly busy summer uh, day uh, in a West Side ambulance. And we were getting run after run after run uh, of uh, drug overdoses and gunshot victims and battery victims. And I thought to myself, wow, this is a, this is a busy day. And uh, I, I felt God nudge me to do some research. Now, I say research because I didn't go on to Google and, and you know, well, I did kind of search about like the history of like the neighborhood that I was in. But I did some research, scripture research. See, a lot of people nowadays like to just go on to Google and just Google anything. You know, they Google things about like how to uh, fix your marriage or how to have a proper relationship with your kids or how to uh, fix your finances. You know, I, I go, I like to do research on things like, you know, how to fix home improvement, a home improvement project, or if I'm going to buy a blender, you know. The, the real research is right here. This, this is all of the research, all of the search engine you need. The answers are in here for things like that, relationships, marriage, finances. So anyway, I was, I was stirred to do some research. And before I carry on, I'll say, do, well, let me say it this way. Whenever you speak of like demonic forces or spiritual warfare, people get a little uneasy. Some people do. And it could be a touchy subject depending on where you are. But what I'll tell you is don't fear what I'm about to share. It's not going to be like really scary, but what Jesus always told his followers before he was about to share something, whenever it was like revealing where there was a possibility that they would be scared from what he was about to reveal, he would preface it with, do not fear. And then he'll share what uh, he was going to share. So I'll tell you that now, do not fear. Um, I'm going to, we're going to just unravel this uh, message together. We'll digest it together, and then we'll just go from there. So, like I was saying, I, I tend to work in different parts of the city, um, and the, the research that God led me to do uh, was a couple of verses. Now, I'll, I'll preface this, too, with saying that I, I'm not taking verses out of the Bible or sections from a parable and try to put a spin on it to make a point. What, what this is, is we all have the ability to, to dive into God's word. And what, what we get out of it is what God has for us at that exact moment in our life. It's really a great thing. So a couple of verses I was led to. Oh, you got it up there. So this, in this section in the Amplified Bible, it's literally called Jesus Cast Out Demons. And this is Matthew 8, 28 to 34. It says, when he arrived... At the other side, in the, in the country of the Gardernus, two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs met him. They were so extremely fierce and violent that no one could pass by that way. And they screamed out, What business do we have in common with each other, son of God? Have you come to torment us before the appointed time of judgment? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was grazing. The demons began begging him, if you drive us out, send us into that herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So they came out of the men and went into the pigs. And the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and died in the water. The herdsmen ran away and went to the city and reported everything, including what had happened to the men under the power of demons. And the whole city came out to meet Jesus. 
And as soon as they saw him, they begged him to leave the region. So a couple of things here was these, these demons who called themselves legion in other versions of this text recognized Jesus immediately. They didn't try to put up a fight. They didn't try to defend themselves because they knew their place. They knew that he was king. And they were cast out immediately. Another thing was they begged for mercy and were cast out immediately. Like I said, another thing is the herdsmen were fearful because they didn't understand what had happened. They, they, they couldn't comprehend, like, what did, what did Jesus just do? Like, and, and it scared them. Just as I said, revealing things tend to be scary. So let's move on to uh, the next verse. This is Matthew 12, 25-33. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by who do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. So here we have a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, one thing he said was every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand see if, if Satan can get between a man and his spouse he has divided the kingdom it is the first step of, of dividing the, the ever, never ending kingdom he seeks to destroy everything he possibly can. If you go to that next slide. He divides man from God. He divides man from his spouse. He divides man from his children. And he divides man from each other. This is, what, this is his play. This is what he does. Uh, you know, I, I found it funny when Hugh mentioned just last week about how uh, divor the divorce rate in this country is staggering. And 50% of it is within the church community, which is sad. I mean, any, any number is too high, but, and it's a statistic. You could take it as you wish. Uh, it's just a number. But any number is too high. Wouldn't you agree? So if you can move on to the next slide. The, the section of the, the last verse of, he mentions this, this strong man. And we are the ones who are strong. I, I wouldn't say, he meant to say that we are the strong man, but we are the ones who are strong protecting our house. You see, ever since the temple was destroyed 
right after Jesus was crucified. There was no place that everyone went to worship God and experience God's presence. That, that place was gone. We were the temple from that point on. We housed the Holy Spirit. So he empowers us to be strong in Christ. He, he gives us the strength to protect our homes. The binding that the verse mentions is the generations of sin, all the way up from Adam and Eve. Generation after generation of uh, addiction, lust, of uh, hatred. The, this, these are the bindings that he speaks of in this verse. And the, the foundation to, to break those chains, that as we, we heard in some of the words in worship, is, is, a, is a proper foundation on God's word and what he says about this world and what he says about us. Have, having a, a strong foundation gives us strength. That's right. Having a relationship with Jesus produces that fruit he was talking about. Good fruit, a good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. Has anyone ever had a hard time making a decision in life? Any, of course, everyone, right? You ever notice that when you, when you pray into the word, and in you, you're seeking counsel, by the way, isn't it always easier to come to that decision when you've prayed about it? Seek counsel, as, as the word says. See, the word is like a mirror. When you get, get ready in the morning or you're checking yourself out throughout the day in the mirror or whatever, you see yourself, you recognize yourself. But when you look away from that mirror, you quickly forget what you look like. See, this word, when you open this book and you, and you pray on what's going on in your life, you seek counsel. This is a mirror that God is showing to us, reflecting how he sees us as a warrior, as a princess, as a son, as a daughter. This is the mirror. He, this is what he says we look like. Then we go out into that world and we, we listen to man and the, ref, and the reflection that he gives us and what he says we are, which are lies. Just as the verse says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's where this mirror part comes from. Now, are there pitfalls? Yeah, of course. Everybody has pitfalls. Mistakes happen. Uh, I like to tell, I told Mike one time on the worship team, uh, if we could, when we're up here worshiping, we're playing music, we're on beat, if we make a mistake, if we could forget it in three seconds and move on, we get right back on beat, right? Nobody even notices. Well, I, what I've found is in my walk with Jesus, is when I make a mistake, is if I could get good at forgetting it in three seconds, repent, and get right back on track, then, you know, I'm right back on track. So just learn to forget your mistakes. Learn to forget them in three seconds, flat. You know, it's, it's, the enemy tries to use the same exact trick that he's used ever since Adam and Eve. And that's, he, he tells us, Go ahead, you can make that one little mistake. God will forgive you. He loves you. And then after sin occurs, what does he tell us then? How could God ever forgive you? Look what you've done. It's deception. It's a lie. That's, a, that's all he knows how to do, is tell lies. Now, friends will come up to me and say, 
well, Anthony, you know, what about this? What about this? And what about that? And, and look at all this happening in the world. And what about this person? And look at this couple. How, how do you explain that kind of thing? So I did some research. But the research was already done. And this, this is what God has led me to this verse. Oh, that, that next one there. It says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. Now, anybody find that a little bit interesting? No, no nods. <laughs> I did. What, what I, I found really interesting was that God had already told me to use these verses, right? As I was putting this together, and I came up to the section of what I, I said just before that verse, this section in the Amplified Bible is actually called the desire for signs. And that's exactly what people who ask me questions like that are looking for. Hey, Anthony, what about this? Well, what about that? What about this person? They're, they're desiring signs. They're looking for signs because they have no foundation to base their heart on, to base their life on. They're, they're, they're asking for signs and looking for reassurance because they're filled with doubt and, un, and, and uncertainty. Is some of this stuff uh, sticking in to, to people? Okay. It, it, may, it may be, it may not. But I'll tell you, there was one time I was watching this show. Um, it has two of the uh, greatest magicians in the world, Penn and Teller. And what they do is they have people come on, up-and-coming magicians come on and try to do a show and try to trick them. So I caught this one episode one time, and this guy was on there, and he had the host, Penn and Teller, pick out 30 people from the audience randomly, brought them on stage, and they all had to shout out their name or, or a number, all at the same time, all 30 of them. But he, he had the entire audience do it. So everyone shouted out, and this guy picked out every single one of the people on stage and said what they had said. He, he heard their voice and what they said. It was, it was really cool. And this is show business. I mean, it's a show. So there's something behind it. But the, the thing is, is this is how the real living God is. He can hear your voice. Out of the trillions and trillions and trillions of people who've ever walked, he knows your voice. Just like he knows every single hair on your head. He knows your voice. He can hear you calling. Now, we have a similar capability. Our ears can hear him. We can hear him call us. We can hear that still, small voice, just as he can hear our voice. Uh, I have another story, but I'll share it in a few minutes. So the next slide. What can we do? What can we do to uh, fill that, that space, that our home, once it's, once it's swept and clean and you know, we come here on a Sunday morning and we worship and we feel enriched and we feel fresh and, we, and we've, you know, forgotten about the whole week 
and we go out there and Monday morning hits us and bam, life hits us again. How do, how do we stay, how do we not lose ground? Couple things. We can equip ourselves. And God's word is one of them. Reading, praying on, on what he says, like just as I said, like to, to mirror, we, we see the reflection that he has for us as his son, as his daughter. If I, uh, if I fill up this cup with coffee, well, let me, let me ask you this. What makes this cup a coffee cup, anyway? It's what's in it, right? What if I filled it up with tea? Is it a teacup? Sure. What if I had it on a saucer, and I filled it up with coffee, and I filled it up so high that it started spilling over onto the saucer? What would you, what would you think is in that cup? Coffee. It's, it's, the same, it's the same thing with us. We, we fill ourselves with, the, with God's word, with truth, with, with love, with light, by reading, listening, associating. This is us. We fill ourselves up. Um, another thing, gratitude. Being thankful for where we are and what God has done in our lives. And not just looking at what he hasn't done, but what he, what he has done. You know, Vanessa mentioned just last week, she reminded us of when Ken and Michelle Glenfeld were in town. And he said, save tokens of, of appreciation of what God has done in your life. Write them down so that you can remember. And when you're going through hard times and tribulations, you can go back to that and look and, and say, wow, look what he's done in my life. This is amazing. And it, and it helps you in your faith through times of darkness, through harder times. Little tokens of appreciation, save them. Gratitude. Fellowship. Another thing, just as uh, he was talking about just before I came up here, there, there's no shortage of things that restoration has that you can, you can go and, and fellowship with other people, with other uh, folks, part of the body. Uh, you know, there's connect groups, there's prayer groups, there's uh, Sunday morning service. You know, there's no shortage through the week where you can't go and meet up with your brothers and sisters or, or even just having a cup of coffee with somebody, you know, getting, getting lunch with someone. Me, me and Mike get together once in a while and get lunch. Hey, what's going on with your life, Mike? Hey, you know, uh, I share what's going on with me and he shares what's going on with him, you know. The, a lot of people like to throw around that phrase, iron sharpens iron. Well, it's a biblical phrase. It's, it's, it's right out of here. You sharpen iron with other iron. Um, worship. What we did this morning. I mean, you don't have, it doesn't have to be on a Sunday morning. You could be worshiping in your car. You could be worshiping at home in, in your uh, bedroom. Uh, and it's not just like uh, putting on a show or, as Hugh said, we're not, we're not just putting, putting your arms up and, and singing words on a screen just to uh, put on a show or anything. It's an outward expression of what's happening on the inside. It's, it's professing with your, with your voice and with your body worshiping the, the living God, not um, things like money. War people worship money. People worship flesh, material things, you know. Um, these are ways we can equip ourselves and and kind of kind of fill that that space, that home, as the verse said. You can go to the next slide. I couldn't have a uh, a service about spiritual warfare without having Second Corinthians ten on there on the slide. <laughs> I don't know. 
So it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Those strongholds, those, those strongholds are just the same as those bind, that binding that he spoke of. That binding that traps man in, in a life of sin. And this is what I see out there. This is what I, what I see with every person we help. You know, I, I see a, a lifetime of, of, of just spiraling down and, and a lifetime of feeling lost and, and just uh, a, a repeated mistake of sin one after the other and it sends them spiraling down, just like I said, to where he has no foundation to build his house upon. So I'll share one more story. And uh, I'll call up Hugh back up. But um, so me and Ann went to uh, out to eat the, uh, last week. It's a seafood restaurant, nothing fancy. Actually, it was like a fun kind of place. You go in there, they give you this big old bib. You wrap it around. They they take you to your table. They throw this big sheet of plastic over the table, and you're like, whoa, this is gonna be messy. So they they bring out. Um, this just a bag full of clams and uh, shrimp and crab legs, and it's all broiled. Throw it on the table, you just rip the bag open and make a big mess, right? So we ate there, it was fun, Got made a mess. And uh, we're about a mile away from the restaurant, and it's like, oh, I forgot my phone on the table. I was like, oh boy, that's, that's a problem. I said, oh, don't worry about it, you know, we'll go back. So we, we, she goes, no, no, you don't understand. I saw the, the, the bus boy, cleaning the tables, and the way he was cleaning the tables is he just grabbed the, the tablecloth, wrapped it up in a big ball, and threw them in the garbage. I said, whoa, that, that could be a problem. So we go back, and uh, we talk to the manager, and he takes her back there, and he says, all right, you know, we'll help you find it. And uh, they go to the garbage cans, and, they're, and, they're, and they start figuring out where they're going to start. So she goes, wait, I have an Apple Watch. I can page it, and we could find out at least which garbage can is in. So he says, all right. So he's like rolling his eyes. Like, oh, no, this lady's going to make me dig through the garbage. And so she's like paging it. And uh, after like the second or third garbage can, they hear it getting, getting dinged. And so they, they go in there, they dive in there, they rip it open. And thank you, Jesus, the phone was not damaged at all. And we're talking, I mean, this was a seafood place. There was shells, there was oils, there was napkins, and, you know, who knows what else they were throwing away in the back. And this was all mixed in these garbage cans. And we, we were about, we were coming close to losing hope. I'm like, I don't know if we want to do all this. Like, are we going to make these guys dig through all this nastiness? And she pages the phone, they find it, and it's clean, clean as a bell, nothing wrong with it. And I thought to myself, wow, <laughs> you are really lucky, lady. And, you know, I, I felt God give me a nudge. And he says, this is what I do. He goes, I find precious items in the most disgusting, garbage-filled places, and I find them, and I take them out. Now, obviously, we're not all cell phones. He means people. And he doesn't have an Apple Watch, although 
It'd probably be the best Apple Watch in the universe, you know, but he, he, he has a connection with us, with every single one of us. He can find us, no matter how deep or dark or hopeless it may seem, he will find us. And that was, that was the nudge that I felt when, uh, when that had happened. So that's pretty, pretty much all I got. Um, I'll, ask, uh, I'll ask Hugh to come up and uh, finish this up.